watch the breakdown. So I nearly forgot to do an NFL draft episode this year. That's how in tune with things I've stayed amid the pandemic. But we remembered, thanks to you uh, and your fandom of many teams, we see you rocking the Bears unit with the Tuga Tugai by Loai jersey <laughs> behind you. It's all good in the hood, man. And uh, we're excited this week to be joined by resident breakdown podcast NFL Savant. Mike Specht, longtime friend of both us and the show, and uh, excited to look ahead to what is going to be a draft full of highly talented offensive players, quarterbacks, wideouts. We, we didn't even really talk about running backs, and, and yet we're going to see Travis Etienne and Najee Harris make an impact at the next level. So uh, very excited to be doing this with you, and I've got to thank you for reminding me. Oh yeah, no, thank you. Honestly, uh, I was thinking about our live stream from last year where mm. I uh, only drank two shots and I believe three beers and threw up profusely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be postponed this year, but mm. uh, maybe NHL, something in the future for our live stream. But um, you mentioned the running backs. Uh, somebody mentioned today I don't remember who it was, but they just were so proficient in proclaiming that this is the worst draft class for running backs this year. Really? Yeah, I think uh, ever. They said ever. They dignified that by saying ever. And I just, you, you know what? Check your source. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and we're going to talk with Specht about a couple. Uh, obviously, the Edmonton uh, angle with Chuba Hubbard, uh, an absolute beauty and a goon on the field. And uh, another guy that we're going to kind of gloss over is uh, Rakeem Boyd, who we have uh, been a fan of in the past. So. Rakeem Boyd, last chance, you alum, actual name value behind that. So tell me about this running back class. That is silliness. Of course, the talk of it all realistically starts after Trevor Lawrence. That's the name that we've been hearing for well over 12 months, probably more like 18 full months in terms of who's going to go number one. Jacksonville, under the uh, tutelage of the young uh, whiz kid himself, the analytical one, uh, AEW founder, owner, Tony Khan. I don't know how much pulley has at all, but just for those <laughs> wrestling fans out there, that's for you. Um, anyway, the Jags have the pick on the clock. It starts after them, though. What do the Jets do? Why did the Jets trade away one second overall quarterback pick of two years ago to pick another one? Let's talk about all that more with Mike Speck. Watch the breakdown. All right, we're joined here on our uh, what's become an annual draft preview show with a good friend of the breakdown podcast, Mike Specht out of Windsor, Ontario, checking in from the Eastern side of things, or I guess the central side of things in terms of Canada. Uh, Mike, thanks for taking some time, brother. Good to see you again. How you been? I've been great. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to do this. Um, you know, hope you guys are doing well and everything too. Um, but last year's was so much fun. And I look back on like some of the predictions we made and I'm just like, Oh, Sweet children of summer, you know, like the <laughs> Texans fan with hope, the Bears fan with hope, the Patriots yeah. fan with hope. And it was just a big old dumpster fire. So, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and- what we learned is that nobody knows shit. So, <laughs> so naturally we we're going to try and do it all over again. Uh, we will play GM for each of our teams. We'll go through the top, uh, say six uh, draft selections as it stands right now. And that's just, why wouldn't we do the top five, Brendan? Well, because Miami and San Francisco made a trade that we need to talk about. And now Miami's picking six. So we'll get there. Um, and of course, Mike being the resident uh, New England Patriots fan and TB12 fan, we got to talk about what happened to the Super Bowl. But prior to yet another Super Bowl win for Tom Brady, we put the picture out on our Instagram page of, of Mr. Speck and the Superman onesie uh, yeah. and, and the crazy hat. And I'm hearing now that that was at the 2012 AFC championship game. Why don't you tell the story? Yeah. So um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, Aaron Hernandez's last game as a free man, um, <laughs> you know, number one, <laughs> really? 
Ray Lewis's second to last game um, of his career. Um, and yeah, basically what happened was, you know, my buddy is a diehard Ravens fan. I'm a diehard Patriots fan. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit before, you know, in the divisional round, like, Hey, if they go and the game's in Foxborough, let's go, we'll drive, whatever. Um, and I guess he thought it was a joke and I didn't think it was a joke. So when the Pats beat the Texans, that was the game where Gronk broke his forearm for the second time immediately after I hopped on and, you know, on StubHub or whatever, got two nosebleed tickets. Um, and I'm like, Hey, yeah, like, let's go next week. Like we're ready to go. He's like, man, I thought you were fucking joking, but like, I guess we have to go now. Um, so we, we drove from Windsor to Foxborough, like an 11 and a half hour drive, drove straight through the night. Um, it was just a hell of an experience, man, to be there. Um, you know, and just, even though it was a loss, like being there on a part of like that dynasty and that ride was just incredible. Robert Kraft came out into the tailgate and his golf cart. Um, and he was like shaking hands. I I didn't get to shake his hand, but I was like 15 feet away from the guy. And it was a, you know, a hell of a game. Patriots were up, I think it was 14, 13 at the half. And then that was when Joe Flacco could do no wrong. And Akeem Tlaib gets hurt in the second half and the Ravens go on to be Super Bowl champions after that. Sounds like a bloodbath. Yeah, it was. My buddy almost got his ass whooped on the way out of the stadium. Um, you know, he was wearing his uh, Ray Rice jersey, which, you know, in oh hindsight, wasn't the gosh. best choice. Yeah, that's um, probably not good. You know, run um, through the list of... Yeah. Oh, Are you wearing your Hernandez jersey? Yeah. I had, a, I had a, an 81 hat. Um, now, the 81 hat was from the Randy Moss era. But uh, after that happened, I decided to get rid of it just so that there was no confusion. Yeah, smart play. <laughs> Definitely the smart play. So fast forward a few years here, and uh, we talked obviously last year about what we thought the offseason was going to look like. I don't think any of us would have predicted that Brady would have been joined uh, in Tampa by Gronk coming out of retirement. I guess the CBD gave him a boost. Uh, and, and not only do they reunite there, but they get all the way back under Bruce Arians to the championship game and then get the job done. Did it feel the same for you or maybe just describe in your words, how it felt seeing a couple of your, your legends uh, out of the, the Patriots organization still winning, but elsewhere. Yeah, it's still, it's, it'll never be the same. You know, it's just, I was, I, I allowed myself to be, to be happy for them, to be proud of them and everything like that. I mean, these are two guys who have given me so much as a sports fan and I would never wish ill on them. I'm always in their corner, except for when they're playing against the Patriots, but you know, it didn't have that, you know, Malcolm Butler on the one yard line, you know, 28, three comeback, just like the highs, you know, where I'm living and dying on every play. Like I'm still there. I'm still cheering for Brady. It looked like vintage Brady Gronk, though. I mean, at, like whenever Brady needed a play, like Gronk had, what, two touchdowns in that game? Like he was just kind of turning the turning the clock back. And I think like, you know, you look at the Patriots last run, right, with, uh, you know, the Kansas City game and then leading into um, the, that Rams Super Bowl. It looked like he was on his last legs, but every single time they needed a play, you know, it's Gronk down the seam or it's Gronk going across the middle. And it was very much the same thing in this Super Bowl, it just, he's able to turn it on and look like that vintage Gronk, even though he's, he might've lost a step. So something incredible. And, um, you know, it, it hurts in its own way, but I'm, I'm very proud of them. Well, he didn't start off the season too hot though, either. He didn't really start off the, the way everyone thought Gronk would be. Um, but I mean, people stuck through it and out came good old Gronk. Well, did you see he was faking his conditioning? Oh, yeah. That's right. Fake yeah. conditioning at the NFL level. You're getting you didn't hear about this? I honestly didn't. Oh, yeah. goodness. You, yeah. You explain it. He, he was uh, like, they, they had him like, I guess for the week um, that he was supposed to run sprints every day. And then all he did was he did one day and he just changed his shirt a bunch of times <laughs> and then sent it in. So, like, Bruce Aaron's like, yeah, coach did them all. <laughs> And then still, obviously, he didn't cut himself short in, in any respect because he still went out there on the field and got the job done and, mm. and lifted a trophy and then partied like only Gronk can party. Yeah, and even Brady did too. He had to be helped off the Hell boat. Yeah. That's, <laughs> if you look at uh, Brett's PlayStation uh, moniker or whatever, the little the icon, that's exactly what it is, is Brady being yanked off the boat. That's iconic. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was something else. And you know what? Like, again, like what happened in new England when you're, you're in a 20 year marriage, like Brady and Belichick and Gronk, and that's a long time. And that's a long time to be successful. So I don't think, I don't think anybody's looking back on it in a negative light, but it's like they needed a change. And I completely understand that. And to see them having that much fun, like it was a side of Brady that you never got to see in new England because he was, you know, the quintessential Patriot Patriot way. But then when he goes to, you know, BA system and you're wearing Kangol hats and it's, you know, (laughs) we lose, we lose, you know, it's like, yeah, might as well throw the fucking Lombardi from boat to boat, you know, when it's like 80 feet deep or, you know, have a couple of, avocado tequilas (laughs) what other than turning over so much of the roster which may really be the genuine key here to a repeat endeavor but you know brady's yeah i know he wants to play till 45 that gives him another couple of years here they're doing everything to keep that squad around them so that they can push again and get back to that same spot do you believe that the juice is there for them to do it again I mean, we'll, we'll see the second one's always harder, right? It's the, the hardest thing to be able to do in professional sports is, is have a repeat championship. You know, you saw what happened with the chiefs, right? You know, guys get hurt, you know, things change, you know, it's like you lose a couple of pieces off on the offensive line and all of a sudden you're fucked. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, the bucks are going to, I think the offense is going to be better to come out of the gate um, with everything that happened last year in the COVID off season. And they weren't, you know, they, they weren't able to get together and stuff. And it, it took like, they were seven and five at the buy. Right. And then they come back and they run the table the rest of the way. Um, I expect them to carry that momentum forward. Um, and they're still the best team in the NFC. I don't see anybody really challenging them. Um, it's just about, you know, good health and Hey, maybe, you know, maybe they see the chiefs again in the super bowl and the chiefs are fully healthy and, you know, it's a little more difficult this time. Well, the Chiefs made some moves too recently. Uh, they, I'm pretty sure they just brought in Kyle Long, if I'm not mistaken. Good old uh, uh, Chicago Bear product. But uh, yeah. they also brought in uh, recently Orlando Brown with their draft pick this mm-hmm. season. Um, so they, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone at the start of the season will have the 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 Chiefs Buccaneers rematch at the moment. Um, right now it could be in, uh, Kansas city's favor because the major problem last year in the super bowl was that offensive line. Yeah. And I, I want to ask you guys this question. Cause this is something I heard, um, on PFF, they were talking about it today. Um, do you think that they, they panicked a little bit with what happened on the offensive line and they skewed too much in that direction because now they're spending a ton of money right? Like with, with Mahomes, right? You're trying to build a 12 year dynasty. You're trying to build exactly what the Patriots built. Um, and the way that the Patriots were able to do that is have depth at every single position. So now you just handed out a, a fat contract to, to Joe Tooney. You're bringing in Orlando Brown, who's a good offensive lineman. He's good. He's not great. You traded a first round pick for him and he has to get paid next year. Right. So now you're loading up money on that offensive line, but now maybe you don't have depth at receiver, like say Tyreek Hill gets hurt. Um, you know, say Travis Kelsey gets hurt. Um, you know, the, the seasons where, and obviously a bad offensive line, we've seen it can be your undoing, but you can fix that in the draft, you know, like the, the Buccaneers, the one concern that Brady had when he was going there was their offensive line. And what they do, they drafted Tristan Wirfs, um, you know, in the first round 15th overall, you can find good, depth offensive linemen in the draft and then you have them for four or five years where you're paying them next to nothing so do you feel like maybe it was a bit of a panic move i mean first of all being a a texans fan a recovering texans fan i can speak to the uh the plight of the quarterback without the offensive line and here's what really kicked off the undoing of that franchise and the unraveling as we've seen it right now is the fact that they didn't have that kind of protection and they had to go out and try and trade for it. And when they did, they sell, they sold the farm to, to get Laramie Tunsil. And then he negotiated his way into the highest paid left tackle contract in NFL history.
injury and there was nothing else to go around for a guy like a DeAndre Hopkins who needed a contract extension. So, you know, to use that model and apply it to a team like Kansas City, I think we've seen exactly how not to do it. But uh, there's definitely some merit in what you're saying there as well. However, when you've invested $150 million in one player or whatever it is that Mahomes just got paid, you absolutely have to keep him upright. And I know that, you know, Brown, for whatever reason, was a little bit expendable in, in Baltimore. They talk about a team with O-line depth, you know, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that solidifying that kind of position, it's showing a lot of faith in Mahomes. And and I think we're going to see that as we, we go down on the list here of, you know, some other um, potential draft scenarios. When I think about Cincinnati, they've got to get exactly the kind of production you're talking about out of an offensive lineman. So that's my take on it. Brett, what do you think? Well, when you have a luxury, you got to get some insurance. You have to. And uh, if, if the Super Bowl last year was any indication, then you're going to have to get insurance for, for, for that luxury which can come in the form of veterans or, or, you know, if you're drafting well enough, then that can be the case too. I mean, Werfs was, some people had Werfs mocked up at number four, and then he obviously slid down to Tampa for one reason or the other, but getting those guys that can contribute right out of college, whether they're playing in a pro system or what have you is obviously pretty important. And so all of this will bring back around as we slide into our top six selections um, for this upcoming 2021 draft. Uh, we won't start with five, but we're talking about a guy named Penny Sewell, who originally was out of Oregon, supposed to be the bona fide number one pick in this class, not named Trevor Lawrence. And then it became very quarterback heavy at the top. But obviously seeing how, uh, you know, things shook down in, in the Super Bowl and and just, you know, around the league, offensive line is, is one of those weird positions, right? But uh, Penny Sewell, some, some teams I think are going to regret passing on him. What do you guys think about that? Uh, Brett, I'll let you go first on this one, buddy. <laughs> well, well, like you said, there's going to be a need for uh, offensive line. And I think there's going to be a need at offensive line after five, after six. Um, well, no, around five. I think the Atlanta Falcons might be looking at, at an offensive lineman. I think they don't really have – a huge depth there. So they might look at uh, Sewell there, but there has been talks about there. There have been talks rather uh, about them possibly trading Julio Jones. So if they Mm -hmm. are willing to make that move and they are willing to uh, release or uh, separate, I guess themselves from, from Julio Jones, and that might just decide their pick right there and pick up a Jamar chase who is arguably the best uh, uh, wide receiver in the draft. After that, if that is what happens, I think the best team that needs a run, uh, uh, offensive lineman, and we're talking about getting insurance for quarterbacks, I think it has to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. I mean, after what happened to the absolute shoe-in of the number one draft, uh, number one pick last year, you have to get insurance for him. So, I mean, even if if – he's not there, then you might look at a move for, for the Bengals. So let's, uh, let's begin obviously at the top of things here, Jacksonville, as they have far too frequently in the past eight or nine years, picking on the clock uh, well before the season was over this time. I think their prayers have genuinely been answered. If Trevor Lawrence is, is ready to perform in the city of Jacksonville uh, and knowing the ownership group there with Tony Khan and all the excitement around such a young and, and uh, statistically inclined owner there, you know, I think that they're, they're trending in the right direction and they're, isn't necessarily a pro comp available for Trevor Lawrence because he's such a unicorn in that he's a big six, four giant out there with a cannon arm, but mobile is all hell, which separates him from Peyton Manning spec. Obviously uh, that's who you've got going. Number one, I'm sure. What do you like about Lawrence? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really everything, everything that you said. And, you know, the, the term uh, cerebral comes to mind. I mean, he really is just seems like kind of an an unflappable guy. And that might be the only knock on him too, because I I've heard, you know, like even he said in an interview recently, like football's not the most important thing in the world to me or, or something along those lines. Like it doesn't define me as a person. 
Um, so that can go one of two ways where it's like, you know, he's just kind of like Joe cool and, you know, nothing really bugs him and, and stuff like that. There's no moment that's too big. Um, or, you know, it might be one, and I don't think it's this way, but it could be one of those things where maybe he doesn't love the game, but it seems like he loves the game and he can, he can just do everything. I mean, I I think it was from, you know, this point last year already, people looking at this draft, knowing that he was going to be the number one pick and there really wasn't much of a question. Right. But cannon arm and you know the the way that the league is moving having you know someone who's mobile but also smart enough to not take those gigantic hits right you know making those business decisions and getting out of bounds or sliding um you know he seems like the can't miss guy that said he's going to jacksonville he's going to urban meyer who is not without his controversy wherever he goes um so it'll be incredible to see how it plays out but he's he's without question number one and honestly, rightfully so, I think he will be the most successful quarterback in this draft. Um, and for the size, the the decision making, um, like you said, his his passion might not be with the game, or at least one of the reasons potentially. Um, I think it's just he he loves God. He's straight up guy you know i think that's yeah. kind of what he's implying there and i know a lot of people can take that i'm not saying that you i'm yeah that's just been the one knock that it's yeah. the only thing people can come up with right and that's the thing that's the only thing that people can come up with the, the he's so the, the the prototypical perfect guy to be the number one pick the face of the nfl that you gotta find something i guess yeah. i and don't he's got- I, there, there shouldn't be much of a talk about it he does have some weapons there already too, in the in the way of uh, DJ Chark. If you're talking about a deep threat, uh, they just signed Marvin Jones Jr., who has been steady and not necessarily the loudest performer. Of course, it's hard to be in Detroit unless your name is Calvin Johnson. Um, but he, he's got options there, and Lavisca Chenault out of last year's draft looks like he's going to be able to do a lot of things for them. So, uh, are they the same team that went to what the AFC Finals against the the Pittsburgh Steelers a few years ago? Not even freaking close. But uh, they. They've got as good a kickstart, uh, as good a kick in the ass as you're going to get in the way of Trevor Lawrence. Now at number two, this is where things get interesting because Zach Wilson has suddenly become the guy. And sometimes a good pro day will do that. Sometimes a good bowl game will do that. Here's a guy who played at Brigham Young for the last couple of years, not necessarily uh, a a place that churns out a lot of, you know, top end NFL talent, certainly not at the quarterback position in a long time. I mean, other than Steve Young, I'm not even sure I could name another starting quarterback out of there. But Zach Wilson, Brett, is somebody that you and I had just happened to catch a couple of years ago on a Saturday afternoon. And we're like, holy shit, this guy's a baller. He's got some swag. Well, suddenly the Jets seem to agree with that. And they like the uh, the kamikaze athletic mobile quarterback, sort of like you were describing as the modern style spec. Do you think he's a good fit there as Matt LaFleur takes over the Jets as they pick at number two? Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say that anyone is a good pick to go to the New York jets. Um, you know, it sucks for both of these guys because they're going into, you know, just absolutely dog shit situations in terms of organizations and kind of, whoa, 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 don't (laughs) shit talk Denzel Mims that way. All right. I'm just saying in terms of who the organizations (laughs) have been, it's a very top down business. Um, so, I mean, I think he's got all the talent in the world, you know, just in, in the, the bits that I've seen of him, he absolutely like flies off the screen. He's completely electric, um, you know, e- even almost more so than, than Trevor Lawrence. Like there's just so many kind of wow plays that come out of that guy. And there's a lot of, you know, good stuff going on around him with, you know, Corey Davis there. And it, it just, it, it seems like the Jets have never been able to figure it out. And, you know, especially for him where he was only a one year starter um, in, you know, with subpar competition, right. That he was kind of going up against as compared to these other guys. Um, You know, I just, I hope the jets don't ruin him. Right. Like, because you really like somebody like that, it it might be easier for his confidence to get shaken since he hasn't been in kind of as many wars you're in the pressure cooker. That is New York city. Um, You know, they chew you up and spit you out. Look at Sam Darnold. They drafted him. What? Two, two years ago, three years years ago. ago. And he didn't even really get a chance, especially under Adam case guy kissed too many girls and got the mono, you know, and then, uh, you know, missed a couple weeks uh, in his rookie year. And then all of a sudden he's getting a boot in the ass. 
Um, so like, we'll, like, we'll see what happens. I, I love him as a prospect, but it's, it's a pressure cooker that he's going into and, you know, sink or swim brother. So <laughs> three is, is, is a really interesting pick. Um, San Francisco traded up with Miami into the number three slot. And that indicates to a lot of people that they're, they're going quarterback and they want to take uh, a quarterback that they're worried that Atlanta is going to take it for. So who does that leave? That leaves, well, Justin Fields, who at one point in the draft process was the consensus number two, not Zach Wilson. Um, in, and now he falls to a situation where they're either looking at him or division two FCS standout Trey Lance, who very, very early on was also looked at uh, sort of in a lottery uh, sense as well. Obviously they're ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and Mike, maybe that's a good place for you to pick this up. Uh, why did that not work out? Because they, they really bet on him and then it didn't take long for the, him to get the boot as well. It's all about health with him, right? Um, and I guess rumor has it that some Patriots players sort of felt the same way when he was backing up Tom Brady and Belichick was banging the drum internally to move on from Tom Brady after the 27 season in favor of Jimmy G. Um, but even when, you know, Tom Brady served that, you know, god-awful suspension um, that was an absolute crime for Deflategate in uh, 2016, and he missed those four games, um, Jimmy G played the first game and a half of that separated his AC joint. Um, and then Jacoby Brissett had to come in and, you know, fill in. And then Jimmy goes to San Francisco again, plays lights out. Cause he was incredible when, um, when he started for new England as well, like the first game he threw three touchdown passes against Arizona, you know, when they still had BA coaching there and, um, uh, um, who was the, the quarterback at the time, uh, was it Carson Palmer when he was there? Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, so they were a legit team and he went toe to toe with them in a season opener and threw through three touchdown passes. Um, but then, you know, goes to San Francisco, goes five and O down the stretch. And then the next season tears his ACL, then goes to the super bowl, uh, basically the next season or two seasons later. And then this past season, he's just hurt again. Um, you know, high ankle sprain and couldn't get over the hump. So when he plays, you know, he's. He's a fairly good quarterback, you know, a top 12 guy in the league. At the very least, he can get it done, um, but just can't stay on the field. I think personally they go Trey Lance. Um, I, I know there there's a lot of discussion that they're debating between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Mac Jones is a fraud. I know there's a lot of discussion, and that's the obvious He's thing a fraud. Yeah, he's a fraud. Take alert. <laughs> well, we no, got to well, get into this a little bit. We, we got to dig into that because yeah, I have I Mac it. Jones going to New England, whether they trade up to 10 with Dallas to get it done or whether <laughs> yeah. they stand pat at 15 to get it done too. I've seen a lot of that. So why do you think that, uh, why do you think he's a fraud? A lot of quarterbacks coming out of that program are, uh, I mean, I guess that's, that's a harsh, harsh, um, other than AJ McCarron, dude, I couldn't tell you another active NFLer that played quarterback at Bama. Yeah. Well, Tua Tunga Vailoa. Oh, of course. That's the jersey of, over your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he hasn't really established yeah, a whole hell of a lot, right? They there's were a lot possibly of, moving on from him. Yeah, there's a there's comparisons to to him. And the thing about being a quarterback at Bama is the weapons around them. Right. Mm -hmm. What made Tua so good? The weapons. Right. Um, I mean, Tua is a terrific quarterback and I love Tua, um, but there's so many options around there and so many weapons around uh, Alabama in that program. I think his projections get a little skewed because of, of those Again, weapons, uh, you, you're going to see them eventually get picked in the first round of this draft anyways. And we're going to see how the separation will will do Mac Jones. I honestly think, and uh, spoiler alert, this might be a quarterback that gets brung up, brought up rather later. Um, I don't even know if he's as good as Kellen Mond. So... I've heard a lot of, of the Kellen Mond hype as well. And he's someone that's been in contact quite a bit with Josh McDaniels. Um, but just to, to go back to, I guess, the, the Mac Jones thing, I, I'm more leaning also to Trey Lance in that spot. Um, and just mainly because 
if you're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, why would you put another safe bet in there? Why wouldn't you draft someone who you think can be the guy to take your offense to the next level? Because in what we've seen from Jimmy Garoppolo, he's like a game manager. Plus, you know, he can make some really good throws, but everything needs to be in place around him. Right. And, you know, he came very close to winning a Super Bowl, um, but sailed a pass at the end of the game. So if you're getting Mac Jones, you're at this point, you're getting a worse Jimmy Garoppolo with no guarantee that he can ever be better than Jimmy Garoppolo with Trey Lance. Like, cause that's all the draft is right. Um, especially this high up, you want to go with that upside pick and people are looking at Trey Lance as that like untapped potential, similar to Josh Allen coming out a couple of years ago where, you know, he's got a gigantic arm. He's the best runner, you know, in this draft class, you know, he's built like a truck. Um, so why wouldn't you take him, have him sit a half a season behind Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, and then maybe he can take over down the stretch into that playoff run. I understand that linking up the, uh, the type of quarterback rather than trying to just pick arguably the best available of Justin Fields is still sitting there, but for whatever reason, there just hasn't been a, a nice direct correlation between the Ohio state quarterbacks and, and uh, you know, success at the NFL level, for whatever reason, it just hasn't been there despite a lot of success for them at the, uh, at the collegiate level. So let's move on to number four, gentlemen, Atlanta on the clock, um, it looked again, like they, they were really trending towards Matt Ryan's replacement in some capacity, whether that was going to be Zach Wilson, if he fell to them, or maybe, a, you know, a Trey Lance, for example, I'm also seeing a lot of the Florida tight end Kyle Pitts mocked there. Um, obviously they're looking for some sort of a playmaker to add, uh, with Julio Jones, you know, perhaps in the twilight of his career, but I have Jamar Chase going there. We didn't see Jamar Chase play this year. I just feel like if you're going to pair somebody with uh, with Calvin Ridley, it's likely going to be another wide receiver and not banking on, you know, I just in the sense of picking a tight end, fourth overall, that seems like a reach to me. Spec, what do you feel like uh, the Hawks, the Falcons rather, not the Hawks, the Falcons, might end up doing there with the number four? See, I, I do think it's it's going to be Kyle Pitts, and I think they're going to be very enticed um, by the potential there. Like, just everything about him, like, because he's basically a wide receiver, you know, number one, you can line him up literally anywhere, inside, outside. He can do every single thing required of him, you know, and he's a good blocker as well. He's not a great blocker. Like, he's he's more of a Travis Kelsey than a, a Rob Gronkowski. Um but you just think about the mismatch that that creates. Like if you're sure about him, which I, it seems like everybody is, and they say he's mm -hmm. got gold jacket potential um, as a tight end, just a complete freak of an athlete. Like what did he run? Like a four four six or something ludicrous like that? But he's which like is six, crazy like, given his stature. Six, exactly five or six. Like it's it's ridiculous. So like you know it, in a vacuum. Let, but let's say you can guarantee Travis Kelsey level production for the next. 10, 12 years. If you think that he can do that, that's a mismatch that only, you know, two or three teams in the league have. If you have a Darren Waller, Kelsey and Gronk, you know, when he's playing in the Super Bowl, nobody else has that. It's, you know, and then everything else becomes easier around you, around you in terms of what you're trying to do. Um, so I think it's Kyle Pitts there. It's definitely not going to be a quarterback because Matt Ryan, you know, if you, if you cut him, um, it's going to be 30 million in dead cap money you know, for the next two, two years. So it's, you're locked in with him for the next two years. So get him some help and see what you can do. Any thoughts on that, Brett? Yeah. Well, see here, I kind of I explained that. I think it's either going to be Sewell or Jamar Chase, because mm -hmm. again, I, we have a little bit of that um, insurance policy again on, on Maddie ice, but if they do end up making a trade to, to send um, Julio Jones anywhere, uh, I think it's going to be Jamar Chase that ends up going here. And that's sort of the same note that I had as well. If Julio ends up moving, and maybe that is a draft day deal, probably not. Probably not. You talk about a gold jacket candidate, but, you know, in terms of recency, like he was fourth in their target share last season. He only caught 51 of 70 targets. And yes, he was out targeted by somebody named Russell Gage 
as well as their current tight end, Hayden Hurst. So, you know, the, the knock on Julio has been, he puts up great fantasy numbers, but he'll do it in four games out of a 16 or 17 game season. And sometimes you're getting goose eggs. Well, now at 31 years old, or yeah, I think he's 31 heading to 32 or something along those lines, like, with some lower body injuries to his credit, I can see why they'd want to replace him. The question is after a full year without college ball, is Jamar Chase still going to have that same ceiling that we assumed he would playing with Joe Burrow at LSU? Um, Gentlemen, we've talked enough, I think about what Cincinnati might do here in terms of trying to shore up that offensive line. If Sewell slides here, it's a no brainer. They got their guy in the draft last year, Joe Burrow, of course. um, And they took T Higgins who proved to be a, a great weapon. I believe they'll be able to, you know, add more offense later in the draft if that's what they want to do. So let's look at six. Miami trading down from three in the six with San Francisco. And this is where I have them thinking that Kyle Pitts is going to fall to the Dolphins and then tick a lot of those same boxes that you're talking about. Um, is that a similar situation to what you guys have happening here? Is What, what do you have Miami doing at six? Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say it's going to be a playmaker. Uh, it's going to be somebody to help two out, um, you know, and something w- with their offense, right? Um, you know, they they brought in, it was Chan Gailey running their offense last year. And this was because you mentioned earlier in the pod, um, you know, just about, you know, being lukewarm, you know, on Tua. He didn't look great last year, but Chan Gailey had worked with Ryan Fitzpatrick at, I think, two or three different stops in his NFL career. They brought in Chan Gailey to design an offense for Fitzmagic to succeed. It was a, a Fitzmagic-based offense, not a Tua Tungle-Bailoa offense. Um, and at the same time, Tua was coming off that hip injury that basically you only ever see in a car wreck. Um, so I really, I really think that you're going to see a better version of him in year two, and they're going to get him a weapon. I think it's going to be Devontae Smith because I, I just don't think um, Kyle Pitts is going to be around. I think Atlanta is going to see the potential with him they're going to grab them. Um, and then it's going to be that, that Bama receiver in, uh, in Devonte Smith. What do you like about Devonte Smith quickly? Because this is such a receiver heavy class. You could make an argument for Jalen Waddle, his teammate, uh, Jamar Chase. We've talked ad nauseum about, but Smith is somebody who could easily be the first receiver off the board. And, and I'd like to know why you think why. Yeah. I mean, arguably the, the greatest college receiver, you know, in history and, you know, with, with that offense, it, it kind of really all went through him um, at Bama. Um, I know people are, they're a bit concerned about his size, right? Like he's weighing in at, what, what is it, like 170 pounds or 165 pounds right now. Um, and that might be the the only question mark. Um, the, the only way I would see Jalen Waddle um, getting drafted over him is if people look at him and, you know, they see Tyreek Hill. And again, that's another thing that you can be enticed by because it's a recency bias type thing. Um, and it's like, well, if we plug him in, he's just Tyreek Hill and our offense is insane. But the thing is, there's only one Tyreek Hill. I would say if he's anybody, he might be a Deshaun Jackson, which is great. And that's a really high quality wide receiver. But as far as we know, he can only really do one thing at an elite level, um, you know, which is go deep. Um, but at the same time, Devontae Smith, you can line him up anywhere. He's incredibly versatile. Um, even though his frame is is kind of a bit more slight, um, he's amazing with his feet. And there hasn't been a corner that's been able to press him, um, you know, and kind of get physical with him. So he must be doing something right for kind of a smaller guy. Sorry, I'm fighting the internet demons here, and I'm not sure if you guys are even with me. I don't even know if you caught my screen. And why I have uh, a 1950s internet connection. But I do want to just touch on um, my Devontae Smith uh, pick. I do have him going here, uh, mostly because of this guy over my shoulder. There is obviously the uh, talk of him being, or rather the uh, Dolphins looking at uh, a playmaker. I also had Kyle Pitts not falling to six. I had Kyle Pitts. If B.N.I. Sewell isn't available for um, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals at five, I have not going to the Bengals there because um, the Bengals do have, uh, or rather Joe Burrow has a pretty good rapport, a pretty good, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a pretty good relationship normally with his tight ends. Um, and so I think if you can get an elite tight end like Kyle Pitts, 
and, and, and pair him with Joe Burrow, I think that's going to be deadly. Plus T Higgins. And that's pretty cool. You just don't see tight ends get picked that high ever. Mm-hmm. Like the last time it went in a top 10 would have been Detroit picking TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa. And he was, I mean, he's been good, but I don't think he's a franchise altering player. Now he wasn't necessarily projected to be like Kyle Pitts could be, but it'll be interesting to watch this guy's career trajectory. Now we've gone through the top six, as we promised, we should start making our own team's picks here. And uh, Mike and I are going to go back to back. We'll start with you spec uh, because the Patriots are on the clock at 15, assuming they don't trade up. And uh, if you feel like they might trade up, why don't you take over right here? Otherwise, who are they picking at 15? Okay. First of all, man, I, I never know what this goddamn team is going to do. <laughs> I love them so much, but like last, last year, I, I told you, um, they were, they were probably going to take some sort of uh, safety that you never heard of with their first pick, um, who probably played lacrosse and was also a punter, um, at the same time. <laughs> and what do you know? They take division two Kyle Duggar, who I hadn't heard of up until that point, apparently he had an incredible senior bowl and turned out to be a pretty good player. But if you're going to predict what Bill Belichick's going to do, like you're, it, it's a fool's errand. But what I think, and from everything that I'm hearing, they have made calls about getting up into the top 10. Um, and that's just kind of coming out today because it looks like Justin Fields is going to fall. And the only place I think that they'd be able to trade, um, because, you know, how they value their draft picks and everything like that. There's no way they're giving up enough to get to four to trade with Atlanta, but um, they could trade with Detroit at seven. I think if a trade's going to happen for Justin Fields, they're going to make that trade um, to seven um, and go up and get Justin Fields. If it's possible, you've got Matt Patricia back in the building. Maybe there's a bit of that bond. Um, you know, uh, with, with, you know, with the, with the lions organization, um, and you, you know, you go up and you get that guy. Um, if that's not going to happen, you know, if they, if they stay at 15, cause it looks like, you know, all the, uh, all the playmakers are going to be gone. Um, and when they've kind of picked in that range, they always go meat and potatoes, right? Like in the past, they've, you know, they've taken a uh, Gerard Mayo, um, you know, they took, uh, I believe it was Sebastian Vollmer in that range, you know, so offense for defensive line, just, just a hog. That's going to be a stalwart for you for 10 years. Um, so maybe I would look for like a Christian Barmore, um, you know, out of Alabama, he, Bill Belichick's got a great relationship, uh, with Nick Saban. Um, and that, you know, he looks like a stud and somebody that you can plug and play for, you know, five to 10 years. So if they keep 15 and all the playmakers are gone, then I think that's where they go. That makes a lot of sense just based on, on exactly how they've built their teams, you know, leading up to this point, Arizona never really seems to be picking in the same range year to year, whether the pick's been traded or they've finished really well or finished really poorly this year, they're picking right smack dab in the middle at 16. And I think they need to go cornerback here. And the, whoa, Brendan, why are you making the pick for the Cardinals instead of the Texans? We'll get there in a second. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't take too much convincing for you to understand why I've finally jumped ship on the Texans and why I've jumped on the Arizona Cardinals bandwagon as well as if Kyler Murray wasn't as fun to watch last year. Uh, how about DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt back on the same team? That's enough for me, but they do need some help at cornerback, especially now that Patrick Peterson is out of town. He was terrible in the secondary last year. Anyway, so was Drake Kirkpatrick. They got picked apart. I've got uh, what is it? The seventh most targeted secondary in all of football so I really think that the 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 Cardinals are going to be looking cornerback here and I think that they if they can will take the big uh the big corner out of Alabama and that's Patrick Certain the second if he falls there I've seen him mark or uh, mocked rather quite a bit to the Cowboys at 10 uh if they end up staying there so I can see that as well but Arizona they're looking in the range of a Patrick Certain maybe a Caleb Farley who's another 6'2 210 pound corner out of Virginia Tech or or maybe even a JC Horn if you're looking at uh somebody out of US a USC depending on who's available there but it won't be sexy they just need to clean up a lot of what happened in that secondary and and shouldn't take too much considering they've got Buddha baker back there but uh, they, they do need some help and so that's what i'm thinking brett the bears are picking at 20 and i have absolutely no idea what direction this may go why don't you take over me neither fair me neither no man's land like isn't that that's like quintessential bear it's just like what what are we gonna do 
Yeah. Well, best possible player. That's the thing. Yeah. We have uh, probably about five glaring needs and that's uh, our offense, offensive line, uh, our secondary uh, wide receiver and our quarterback. And when I say our secondary, I mean both our cornerbacks and our safety. So there's our five. Um, Again, you have to go best available player. My absolute dream is Devonte Smith. I've seen some, I've seen some, not a lot, but I've seen some uh, projections where he could fall as, as far as 21, where we're at 20. Um, I don't see it happening, but the fucking, you never know. <laughs> I'm Andy fucking Dalton. So you never know. Yeah. Um, with that being said, signing Andy Dalton, um, I don't think that's their their end goal. I don't think that's their end game. And I still think that they are looking for a quarterback through this draft. You have to. You can't sit on on Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. You can't. And uh, I think I mentioned earlier, um, I think you're able to steal a Kellen Mond in the second round. Um, maybe hopefully, well, not hopefully, but potentially he might fall into a third. Um, you never know with, with, um, NFL projections, but I think you can steal a Kellen Mond so you can sit on a quarterback at 20. You're, I mentioned Mac Jones is a fraud and I hope he doesn't fall to 20 because I fucking know that they are going to salivate over Mac Jones at 20. They are going to shoot up faster than Peter Shirelli did when Yesipuli RV was there at four. They he they will fucking love Mac Jones at 20. So I hope this does not happen. If Mac Jones is available at 20, then he will be the pick. But um, in reality, it's probably Christian Derrishaw. Uh, I believe, uh, Mike, you already mentioned him. And uh, another guy that uh, Esco, you mentioned in Caleb Farley. I think it's going to be uh, we're going to be taking either our secondary pick or our, uh, or try and get some insurance for Andy Dalton. Can somebody remind me where Mitch Trubisky is playing this upcoming season? The Buffalo. Buffalo. The backup oh, he's in backing Buffalo. up Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Ooh, in wait. front of Trace McSorley, if I'm not mistaken. Is that the other quarterback there? I, yeah, I think so. Jake Fromm. Uh, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm. There you go. Yeah, Jake Fromm. Nick Sorley's yeah, yeah, behind yeah. Ljax in, uh, in That's Baltimore. what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I've got written here. What are the Bears and, and Hawks doing? I think you basically just answered the question is, it's anybody's guess. <laughs> it's anybody's guess what the Bears are doing. And the Seahawks, I don't think, have a first-round pick this year, if I'm not they mistaken. Don't, so. They have the fewest selections in this year's draft. Yeah, they got, they got three. Three, three, so more than three spots to fill without a doubt. Exactly, their first pick is fifty-six, and then it goes all the way to the fourth round at one twenty-nine, and then the seventh round at two fifty. So that sounds like a Texans draft class, if I'm familiar with that at all. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to get too long in the tooth here, guys, but what I do want to end on is Chuba Hubbard's and and being in Edmonton, we've got to touch on this one. Spec, I don't know how much you've followed him over the last couple of years. Uh, at Oklahoma State, he led uh, all of college football and rushing two years ago, up over 2,000 yards. Uh, looked like he was going to do some serious damage. Not necessarily uh, a hammer in terms of his stature, but he's got wicked speed and some wiggle as well. You don't lead the the uh, the whole thing in rush yards by accident. Um, but this year, he didn't declare for the draft last year, which kind of surprised me. I thought he would have been at least a late second or an early third round pick. Now, it's looking like he's going to be somewhere in the mid of the fourth I see the over under set at 113 and a half um do you have any insight on on Chuba Hubbard is that a better question for Brett what do you what do you have to weigh in on there um yeah I mean I've seen kind of you know some of the stories I haven't watched um you know really a ton of him or anything like that I think in general you know my philosophy for for picking running backs and I think it's it's a lot of what's going on in the league right now you don't want to draft them early anyway you can get a lot of quality and depth running backs in the in the third and fourth rounds and um you know so it's not going to be any shot to you know how he is as a runner or as a player if he goes 
if he goes in the mid rounds, he's going to have a, a ton of opportunity wherever he goes to take over a starting role or, or carve out a role um, as a, as a third down back or, or however he can get in there. So um, three, four, wherever it is, best of luck to him. And Brett, you, this has to mean something a little bit different for you, not only as a lifelong football fan, as somebody who played football growing up and of course being from Edmonton while Tuba's from Sherwood Park. So what are your thoughts on, on his, his big draft year and him representing the area? Yeah, like you said, I'm surprised that he didn't uh, declare last year. I think it would have been better if he did declare last year. Um, at one point, he was the second highest ranked running back for this year's draft. Um, I, it's terrific for Edmonton. It's terrific for Canadian, Western Canadian football. And especially with how uh, the CFL is kind of on their, well, are they going to pair with this XFL maybe? Uh, a little rocky. Yeah, exactly. Um it's nice to be able to see that um, somebody from these parts can be so successful. And he has literally ran through uh, uh, the nation down there. Um, the knocks for him have been from the pass protection. Um, he, they say he lacks elite power, but that's not like it's not teachable. And it's not like that's not fixable with work ethic and you get the impression he's got that yeah put that kid in 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 a weight room in a professional weight room and you're going to get a fucking gamer you know he's always been an athlete he's always been a track star he's literally ran for his he ran i think he went to oklahoma state specifically so he could run for their track team excuse Mm -hmm. me i'm getting a little bug in my little horse Mm -hmm. it's the yelling at the wi-fi demons um but they also say that he, he lacks in, in the passing game in general. Um, at Oklahoma State, he didn't really get a bunch of uh, um, passes, uh, a lot of uh, volume through the backfield at, at OK State. And um, I can see where the knock is. But once again, that's not not teachable. You know, he, he can bust through the lane like anybody else in the league. He, he's fast. He's a, he's a, a, a straight runner, but probably one of the best that's going to be in the league. Um, other than probably that fucking monster in, in Seattle. Um, and yeah, like it, it, the stuff that he lacks it, it apparently is not not teachable and i think he's he could potentially be a steal also one one guy sorry uh who might be a steal who i didn't don't think that you're going to bring up here is rakeem boyd from arkansas that's an interesting one great uh are you a fan of last chance you mike have you watched any of that on yeah. on netflix oh, yeah. it's it's yeah. very yeah. cool to see the players now actually you know draft eligible i guess john franklin was was he not on the practice squad or something like special teams yeah. super bowl winner for the bucks yeah there you go oh, exactly there you go. So, and he transitioned uh, positions right he's not a quarterback anymore he was a wide right. receiver for a bit yeah, or yeah. he, he went was a cornerback from- yeah, cornerback, yeah, wide receiver. Uh, I think now he's, like you said, a, a special team specialist. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, Boyd, yes. Uh, transfers out of, what was that, East Mississippi Community College off to Arkansas, yeah. and now he'll be making the next step as well. One more name for you to remember, Javon Holland. He is slated to go in the second round safety out of the Oregon Ducks program. He's from Coquitlam, BC, so he would follow, mm-hmm. I guess, in Chase Claypool's uh, footsteps out of the lower mainland and then into the NFL. Uh, one storyline that you guys are watching heading into this uh, NFL season period. I know I'm kind of springing this on you, Mike. Uh, anything that you're sort of looking at, whether it's a Super Bowl repeat, uh, you know, maybe a potential free agent on the move, anything like that that's got your attention? I, I mean, there's so much right now. Um, you know, for me, just personally, um, you know, what the Patriots are going to do at quarterback um, is is a huge one for me. Um, you know, does Jimmy Garoppolo become available? Do we trade up? do we trade back? It's going to be, um, you know, pretty huge. And I think that there's going to be a market improvement for that team this year. So I'm excited for that. And then the other one is just what the hell is going on with Deshaun Watson? Will he play another down in the league? Will he play a snap this year? I'm assuming he'll be back because in the end talent wins all right. Um, no matter kind of what you did. Um, but that, you know, like that's going to, it's another thing that's going to tear apart that organization. 
you know, obviously feel terrible for, you know, the massage therapists and the, the women that he has allegedly, you know, victimized. And, and we'll see what goes on there because it's another, you know, NFL reflecting real life society um, that comes up far, you know, unfortunately far too often. Um, and it, that's going to be, you know, kind of the, the one that everything's going to revolve around, you know, in the, in the league this year, unfortunately. That's exactly what I was going to say as well is, is what happens with the last member of, of the Texans of that. Anybody really remembers the the whole rest (laughs) of that team is gone. And Deshaun Watson is in a very bad situation. And I just, I can't fathom what's going to come out of this. It's tough to even speculate anything. You've got your eye on Brett. Yeah. Um, well, I am not going to basically pay any special attention to my Chicago Bears, really. This season, um, they have stabbed me in the back with, uh, once again, if you haven't heard, the signing of Andy Dalton. And uh, I'm just going to ride that wave out until it's it's, uh, dead and gone. Um, But what I will be watching is seeing how the the situation with Russell Wilson unfolds. Um, obviously, the whole will he or won't he go? Will he or won't he go to Chicago? <laughs> um, that was a lot of eggs in that basket, man. And, and Easter wasn't ever there. But we picked the backup was Dalton. Um, <laughs> but I I want to see if, if things will end up deteriorating between him and, and, and Pete Carroll uh, for a long time. It seemed like Pete Carroll was the, the enigma in the league who just can be whatever, do whatever. And he's loved around the league. And now all of a sudden the last, however many months, these, these stories of, of animosity between him and his son and Russell Wilson and the offense and the team and the organization and the front office. Uh, It's interesting. I want to see if, if these are true, if maybe if they are true, does Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson have the maturity to work through it? What's going to happen? That's that's what I'm going to be watching. I'm going to tell you, they're going to lose the division to Arizona. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. <laughs> no worries. But it's like, you know, if you guys, and I would recommend doing this, go back and watch the mic'd up version of um, Super Bowl 49 against the Patriots. And in that first half and down the stretch, the way that Pete Carroll talks about Russell Wilson in that moment it's like it was his firstborn, you know, just this guy can do no wrong. That 30-second drive at the the end of the first half where he threw the touchdown to Matthews with five seconds to go, the back shoulder ball. And he's like, you know what? He could have screwed it up, but of course he didn't. You know, like this guy in his eyes was a golden goose, so much so that he threw that pass at the end of the game because he loved him and he trusted him so much. And then he throws an interception on the one-yard line completely loses the trust of the defense, which got them there two years in a row, deteriorates that whole thing. They build the team up around Russell or, you know, kind of so they thought, but no offensive line. And then just the the irony and the cruelty of it for Seattle Seahawks fans of this relationship that looked like it was the next dynasty in the league. You know, they transitioned to build around them. And then what do you know, division sows between those two who, you know, um, back in 2014, they seemed inseparable. Lots to watch for gentlemen. Thank you so much. This has been a long one. I think it needed to be. We had a lot to cover. I look forward to the draft tomorrow night and certainly spec. It's been great uh, catching up with you, brother. I hope everything's going good out in Ontario. We'll be sure to get you back on soon. All right. Yeah, absolutely. And same to you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Watch the breakdown. Hard to believe a talent like that uh, escaped the border city. (laughs) Not unlike ourselves. Uh, Back home he went. And a sad day for us, I think, when we uh, lost the closeness uh, geographically with Mike Speck. But the nature of Zoom brings it all together, as does the great game of American football, for which we will be providing our own mock drafts. I wasn't going to commit to this. Brett talked me into it. We're going to go one through 32. We'll post it on our Instagram the day of the draft. We'll make sure that's ready for you to laugh at and cross-reference and all that as things shake down. I believe Brett Jacksonville's on the clock at about 5 o'clock Mountain Time. 
or six o'clock mountain time. Yeah, somewhere around on there. Thursday, five or six. We should have looked beforehand, but it's either five o'clock mountain time or six o'clock mountain time. Listen, if you're if you're <laughs> listening to this, you have internet access right now in all likelihood. <laughs> just just Google it, man. It's why is that our why is that our obligation to tell well, you? Yeah, you know what? Else. It's next time. Next time we'll have forethought. Until Fair then, enough. I apologize. Well, you know, like you said, you have internet access. <laughs> Sorry, that's Sometimes just a Shirley uh, Bears fan. As referenced <laughs> earlier in this podcast, Brett, sometimes just access to the internet isn't quite enough. So sometimes the wrong people have access to the internet. <laughs> the gremlins, shall, yeah. shall we say. Can't wait to overlay the uh, dial-up internet tone just to bug you one more time. In the meantime, we out. Check us next time. You know where to find us. Watch the breakdown.